Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is the prestigious one, Joe Hendry here, and we're here for another episode of How to Become a Pro Wrestler. Today we're going to be talking about the ultimate double-edged sword, which is, of course, social media. First of all, I'm going to give a shout-out to our Patreon subscribers. It is so appreciated, you have no idea, because we got we got costs. we got a lot of costs. got a unit now we're going to be moving everything over to. we got transport costs for Dave to come through. Um, we're... Uh, Doing our best to keep the lights on. We appreciate all the support that we get. So big shout out to Ian Downey, Kirsty Bailey, Chris McCulloch, Joe's mum, Gordon Brown, Ben Wacker, Adam Wilson, Mark Leslie, Brian Smith, Daniel Betancourt, Jamie Flood, James Pointer, Will Ledwith, David McCarthy, Ross Wilson, Jordan Schofield, Barry Carruthers, James Weiss, David Thornton. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon. There are tier, tier three and above patrons, which you can join. You get mentioned and thanked in person on every single podcast. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Joe Hendry. Also, make sure you check out my training school over at edinburghwrestling.com. Um, definitely want to check that out. We've got some cool stuff going on. I'm really excited to see the progress the trainees have been making. They've only been in it four and a bit months, but they're making incredible progress. Last night, we were working on tag team psychology, which was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So if you want to join in on the fun, keep an eye on there when our next intake is going to be. Alrighty, let's get cracking without further ado. Social media, it has, you know, I'm going to try and avoid these kind of broad terms about, because what you get a lot of the time when you listen to people talking about social media is you get people who claim to be experts on it who have got like, you know, 100 followers and nothing wrong with that. But don't go around giving seminars, telling people about how to, you know, build this, that and the next thing if you haven't done it yourself. So I'm really going to try to avoid talking about anything I haven't seen work myself or tried to do what i will say though is there's something that you need to know of it's a term called critical mass and i'm gonna i'm actually gonna look up the definition of critical mass so there we go it is the amount of <laughs> okay that's a nuclear um definition uh, but in organizations i'm trying to do you know what they're not Give me the definition I want. I'm going to tell you what I mean by critical mass. When people say, so where it comes from, it's the critical mass is the smallest amount of fissile material needed for a sustained nuclear chain reaction, right? So that's the that's what it means in science. But where that translates to business is critical mass is the tipping point of the amount of followers or support that you have that now when you say something or do something, it's going to have traction and it's going to bleed out and permeate that um, that mass kind of audience, if you will. So, and that happens at different levels. So for example, you may notice there'll be people who have 500 followers, but say something absolutely hilarious and it gets three or four likes and it never grows beyond that. Basically with social media to use it as a tool, you want to take it to the point where you're going to reach critical mass. So nowadays I've got on Twitter 30,000 followers. So I know if I say something that's kind of particularly poignant or funny or whatever, it's hopefully going to get, you know, a couple hundred likes or something like that. And it's going to, I again, reach out to people who weren't uh, followers of mine before. Now, the thing is, though, I do call it a very double-edged sword because let's talk about some of the benefits of social media. My trainees ask me, and I did a seminar at WrestleZone, and first of all, I do want to say 
uh, thank you to everyone at WrestleZone. They were awesome. The trainees were great. Uh, they worked their asses off. Uh, it was a great session, so I really enjoyed that. But they were asking me, basically, what's the quickest way to progress in this business? And the answer is, from what I have seen, and again, from what worked for me, it is basically not mastering, because no one ever really masters it, but using social media to propel yourself. Like So, for example, for me, it was the entrance videos. If you do your research and you go back and you look at when Grado was blowing up, again, it was because he was creating promos that were totally different from everybody else, and they were shared not just by wrestling fans, but by uh, that huge audience, that mass market audience that goes beyond wrestling. If you make something that's entertaining enough for people to share outside of wrestling, then you're probably going to be on to a winner. And that's kind of how, again, if you think about wrestling when it was at its most popular, it's when it went outside of just appealing to wrestling fans. Like, so, for example, the Attitude Era, you know, people who didn't even like wrestling liked The Rock and Stone Cold and Triple H and so on and so forth, that sort of thing. When I say critical mass, that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at. So... Also, it's great leverage as well for getting uh, bookings and stuff like that because, you know, if you promote a booking that you're involved with, go take a quick sip of coffee. You're going to book the talent that's got 50,000 followers over the one that's got 500. And it shouldn't, but it does seem to... Basically, your brand is the most valuable thing you've got, but it's impossible to measure. But what social media does is it actually puts a figure next to that. And it shouldn't be... A representation of your brand's worth but human beings can't help but use that as a factor when they're deciding how well known somebody is or how famous somebody is or how powerful their brand is that is a good indicator now what i will say is there's a difference between breadth and and depth or so width and depth whatever you want to call it the depth is kind of the level of connection that you have with your fan base and you know how broad that is or how wide that is is how many people so if you've got there are people online who have got you know a hundred thousand followers but don't really get any traction at all because they don't really stand for anything they don't again when it was explained to me um william regal said it's it's about building trust with uh, the consumer and that goes with wrestling you know if you uh, trust that entertainer that if you invest 30 minutes or 20 minutes watching their match that you're going to be entertained it's the same as social media you trust that by following someone you're going to be entertained by them you need to maintain that trust and you can't break that trust so don't just say like you know whatever dumb thing that comes into your head unless that's part of your brand you know unless people are following you for that reason like Lemmy, for example people follow him for that exact reason for that style of comedy but you gotta be smart about it and you gotta think how you're what are you going to be known for on your social media and i gave the students an example because they were asking about promos and how you get them out and i was facing the briscoes uh the last ring of honor show i did and instead of doing a promo where, and again, here's the thing, you need to learn kind of the basics of promos, but it's like I say to people, sorry, I keep going off on tangents here, my brain's just exploding with ideas, but I, my dad always said to me, like, Picasso learned to be, you know, a great conventional artist before he went off in this crazy direction, and I feel like you have to kind of take that approach with promos as well, learn how to do promos where you go and, you know, introduce yourself, here's the, the here's where you're fighting, here's the reason that you're fighting, here's what days are on, you know, here's why it's important, What what's the issue about, who's the opponent, get across everything that you need to get across, um, in a short period of time and sell it, but there comes a point where, you know, how many times have we been scrolling through social media and you see a promo that's like, this Sunday, 
at such and such. It's become such a cliche that sometimes people will just scroll past it because they're like, eh. Like, Dave makes a really good point that the culture nowadays, you know, with memes, it's like this kind of super woke, meta, um, kind of postmodernism era where, like, the standard stuff is just seems a bit corporate and boring to people. So, I'll give you an example. You may notice on my social media, the promos that I've been doing have just been really weird excerpts. So, for example, there's one where there's me and Dalton are just laughing. We don't say anything. We're just laughing. And there's one where I'm kind of doing these Ricky Gervais, David Brent style promos. Have a look for them on my social media. But when I was facing the Briscoes, rather than going, this Sunday, when I face the Briscoes, this is going to happen. I literally just thought, what's going to get the most hits here? When people are scrolling through their social media feed, what is going to get the most hits? And I literally went to the top of the, the Arthur seat. Well, nearly, you know, one of the the kind of hills I went halfway up it. And then I just took my shirt off or opened my shirt or whatever. Um, got someone to stand with a camera and I went, Briscoes! Just a one word promo because I thought to myself, in actual fact, this is likely going to get more traction than me cutting a promo on the Briscoes because everybody cuts these types of promos. So I'll do something a bit different. But that's after doing that kind of standardized style of promos for years. But I'm just saying, if you're in wrestling and you're trying to get noticed, or to be honest, any form of entertainment, you got to be creating something that people are going to want to share. Because, again, I tried to explain this in the last seminar that I did. Why do people share things on social media? If they share something that they think is particularly funny, you know, it doesn't just stop there with you laughing at it. You then want to share it to show your friends and go, Look at this great sense of humor I've got. This is my humor. This is me. I'm still, even if, if I share something funny on social media, it's still an expression. It's still a form of expression for me. If someone makes a particularly funny joke or whatever that I find funny, you're going, and, or for example, see that song I just played at the start of the stream, if you're listening. Apologies if you're listening to this on the podcast, you won't have heard it. But it's a song called, uh, how do you pronounce his name? It's like Mark Ribolet or something like that. But the song's called Malta, and it's amazing. And it was actually... Um, Someone posted it on social media, and I saw it, and I thought, "Damn, I, you know, I thought, you know, that that's that person's got a very good taste in music for for posting that." So again, every time someone posts something, it says something about them as well. And this is what I try and get people to think about when they're interacting with fans and trying to build up a fan base and stuff like that. It's at the end of the day, it's these fans. What can you do to help these fans express themselves? When I was coming up with these uh, entrances and stuff like that, I was creating something that wrestling fans, but also non-wrestling fans would share and find entertaining. And at the end of the day, it boils down to this. You've got to create content that is so compelling, whether it's funny or it's moving or it's intense or passionate or whatever it is, it's got to be so something that it resonates with people to the point where they're going to do the work for you and they're going to share it. It's got to be so different. It's got to hit you in the face so hard that people are going to go, I'm going to share that because this says something about me as well. Again, when I was doing my entrances, people were hopefully sharing my entrances because they're like, this appeals to my style of humor. Look, look, I'm in touch with this culture. I've found this, shared it with your friends. And then the friends who are maybe not wrestling fans go, look at this cool thing from wrestling that I've found. You know, and then they share it. That's what you need to do with social media. You need to create content on all, all the different platforms that are relevant to you in such a way that obviously Instagram, you can't like share stuff. You know, there's reposting or whatever, but that, that kind of comes down more to likes. And that's, I wouldn't claim to be an, an expert on Instagram. I was very late to the party on that. Um, so I've only got 10,000 followers. I know it's like only 10,000, but for where I'm at, I should probably have more. 
than that. I just don't engage with Instagram that much. I find it, um, I don't enjoy it as much as Twitter, to be honest with you. Like, Twitter, I think, is my my platform because I feel like I can put out these little messages that hopefully resonate with people. And I'll tell you what my style is on Twitter. So I share these kind of in-character clips that I've been sharing recently, having fun with those. Uh, but other than that, what I try and do is like, I actually take a lot of inspiration from John Cena's social media, which again, he, what he's doing is very smart. He's creating a little message. You might do one every couple of days or every day or whatever, but it creates something that people go, oh, that resonates with me. I feel the same way. I'm going to share that. So I've started to do that sort of thing and I've started to make it more organic. Whereas before, and this is another thing, by the way, if it feels too forced, people aren't going to get on board with it. And here's the other thing. I don't know why this is. But if you're trying to promote something, so for example, I wanted to, like, if you're trying to promote something and you put loads of URLs and other tags in it and all that, for some reason, with Twitter, the more to the point it is, the more that people are going to uh, retweet it because anything that contains other handles and URLs and this, that, and the next thing is just going to seem like an advert. And we're in a very post-marketing era. People cannot be arsed with being advertised to. They find it very taxing, very exhausting. It's boring. They can't be bothered with it. It's disingenuous. So I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying be very sparing about it. If you have to put a URL in there, like I had to do to advertise the school, you put that in there. Um, but... Um, be very sparing. I'll give you an example. The last advert that I did for the school before our last intake, I don't even know if I included the URL. I don't I don't even know if I did because um, I just was like, right, I'm going to create this video and I'm going to say share this with someone who needs to hear it. Or I might have included the URL, but not much else. I kept it short and to the point. You got to think, you, what is it going to take to A, get this person to sit here and click on this? Because when we scroll through social media, how often do we actually sit there? How often do we actually go to something? Something at the very least has got to catch our attention and then be compelling very quickly to stop us just racing right past it. So you've got to create something that goes bam before people are going to stop and take notice of it. You got to think about different social media in terms of how permanent they are as well. Like Twitter is very like here today and gone tomorrow. Like I could literally delete every single one of my tweets and it probably wouldn't make a lick of difference to um, anything that I've got planned for future because my followers are still there. You know, it doesn't really change much. Whereas like Instagram, it's a bit more kind of medium term, I would say, because when someone follows you, they might go back and look through your pictures. YouTube, I consider YouTube to be a form of social media. I know some people don't, but I do. I consider YouTube to be probably the most permanent. So for example, if I'm going to be sharing something on social media about, let's say, an entrance I've done, if I put a clip up on Twitter or you know, on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook and this, that, and the next thing, for Twitter, it's going to get the most exposure quickly. So when I did my vignette to join Ring of Honor, that's probably the best example of what I'm talking about. I just said the free agent is no more and put that clip up. And I think it, it got at least 100,000 hits on Twitter at the very least. Now, we know on YouTube it's not going to get that on the first day or whatever, right? It might in the long term. But when you're putting this stuff up, just think for short term, what I'm putting on Twitter, it's going to exist for a, a day, two days max. Instagram is medium term. YouTube, we're talking long term. But YouTube, you got to be a little more selective. YouTube is a little bit 
like Instagram and that you kind of just put any old thing up. Like Twitter, you can kind of um, be a, you get a little more leeway with how much stuff you can actually put up. Whereas with YouTube, I'm starting to find you got to be a little more selective. It's a little bit more about the quality. And this is where trust in your gut comes in. And I'm going to tell you something that probably doesn't stack up against the figures, but something that I've found personally is I subscribed to a channel because they made like this amazing documentary on like the various different versions of Sonic 3, right? You know, I'm a total geek and it was like talking about um, how, you know, th there's a whole kind of controversy about how the soundtrack was made. And I won't bore you with the details, but I watched that. And then I went back to that channel for the next video. I subscribed. And then their next video was like a playthrough of one of the games. And I'm like, all right, okay. And then the next video was a playthrough as well. And I'm like, I had to unsubscribe because I was like, I don't care about these playthroughs. I subscribed because of this video. Now, I'm willing to bet all things being equal, if they had streamed the playthroughs but then maybe got rid of them after and just kept their, their YouTube feed or, to be honest, or just not streamed on YouTube and they'd gone for quality over quantity, I think it probably would have been better in the long run. But there's people who have done the exact opposite. So, for example, Gary V uh, does, you know, multiple videos every single day and has built himself a massive YouTube following. And there's other people who have done it as well, but they still have a quality of editing and stuff like that. So my point is what you'll see is on YouTube, I will rarely upload just like a promo. If I'm doing a promo and like, you know, like I said, that standard style of promo where I'm going, you know, this Sunday it's going to be me versus the Briscoe or whatever i'm not going to put that on youtube because i don't want to put that in my feed because i'm not i'm not saying anything that is particularly poignant in that i'm, I'm kind of unless i am for example going up the hill and doing that one i might put that on so what i'm kind of doing is answering my own question and it, it basically forces you to think about the quality of your content if you are going to be putting stuff on youtube so if something stands out or it's something that people are going to likely want to see again then i would shove it on youtube um, basically, unfortunately, your social media stats really are the closest thing to any sort of metric we have to measure someone's influence that they have. Um, I, I wish that wasn't the case, but it is the case. So that's just the way it is. So you're going to have to deal with that. Now, it can be an amazing tool. Having those videos, being able to express my character through YouTube and social media allowed me to skip so much of the queue when it came to when I should be doing this show and when I should be doing that show and this, that, and the next thing. It allowed me to basically skip the queue. And I don't really see a problem with that because here's the reason why. Because it forced, it forced me by, I started training in 2013 and by the end of 2013, I was in ICW. Now, a lot of people would say, you know, that's too soon, that's this, that, or the next thing, but how'd you get better? You get better by wrestling people who are better than you. So by doing these videos, it got me to a position that, you know, arguably maybe I wasn't, well, certainly wrestling-wise, I wasn't ready for, but I had to up my game as quickly as possible. So, same thing. After three years, I rest, I rest, on the th third year anniversary of my debut, I wrestled Kurt Angle. A lot of people would think that that was too early in my career, but by wrestling someone that much better than me, it, it taught me so quickly. Same wrestling Drew McIntyre as well. Congrats to him on a pheno phenomenal performance. Delighted for him. Um, one of the guys that... Uh, taught me, I, I think he might have improved me the most out of anyone I've worked with because he demands 
just he 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 makes you raise your game in the best way possible so quick shout out to drew and uh congratulations but by working with him i would never have got to work with him if it wasn't for you know the prospect of oh what video could joe do or this that or the next thing you know so don't be afraid just like grado did as well grado did the exact same thing i just copied the grado formula which was do some stuff that gets over on social media that then propels you to a situation that you maybe weren't ready for. But by being in that situation, you become ready by just being there and, and experiencing wrestling people that are better than you. So don't ever be afraid of jumping up the card too quickly. You embrace that situation. There'll be people who won't like it. There'll be people in the locker room who turn against you for that, but you're here to, you're here to be successful not to make friends. You know what I mean? If you make friends, that's a bonus. But make no mistake, you are here to become a uh, successful professional wrestler. So embrace the opportunity to skip the queue, if you will. What you got to think about, again, this is something else that William Regal told me, which was um, you should know what you were doing on your third birthday, right? Which is basically, so if I'm thinking about what would Joe Hendry do in this promo? What that means is I know, I know what my wrestling version of Joe Hendry was doing on his third birthday. You know what I'm saying? What I mean by that is, so for example, when when asked why is Bray Wyatt successful, because he knows what he was doing on his third birthday. Obviously, the third birthday is just a kind of, you know, an arbitrary number. But the point is, he knows his character so well that he knows... How he would react in each and every situation to the point where he could imagine what it was like for that character to be a child and to grow up and to become an adult and to finally become the fiend, you know, that sort of thing. That's what I'm talking about. You need to know that level of detail for your character. When I started wrestling, it was a cross between David Brent and early Kurt Angle. And I've always had most success when I've followed that formula. You may notice if you go look at my Ring of Honor promos, like I said, the wee vignettes that we're filming when I'm over there, that very much falls into that category. So I'm having most success with that. So now that I know that, you have certain rules that you can do for your promos and stuff like that. So I know in my promos, I'm not going to swear. The only time I'm going to swear is when me and Dave are recording a podcast once a week. That's the only time you'll ever hear me swear and it'll be a, uh, a rarity. But that's one of my rules. I can't do that. Now, trust me, li limitations leads to great work right? If you go, it's like Trent Reznor says, if you go out there and you try and create the greatest thing, you end up creating nothing. Whereas if you're told, all right, you got to create, let's say if it's music, you got to come up with a song that's between three minutes, it's in the, you know, it's it's got to be a, a heavy metal song, it's got to include this, it's got to include that. You'll find it's a lot easier to complete projects that have limitations to them rather than to just go make the best song ever. You know what I mean? So when I created my Ring of Honor entrance theme, I had certain goals. I knew, right, I need to walk out at this point. I need to hit the ring by this point. And I created the song around where I need to be and when, you know, the, bringing in those parameters. And you've got to do the same with your character and your promos. You've got to create rules for your character. What would your character do in this situation? And then you've got to start bashing out content that's going to be so compelling. Again, whether it's it's comedy or horror or anywhere in between, you've got to create something so compelling that people even beyond wrestling are going to want to share this. Because do you have millions of dollars to or pounds to spend on Facebook ads or Twitter ads or Instagram ads or whatever else? No, you don't.
If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're working your ass off and you're trying to make it as a professional wrestler. So instead of paying a company like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter to force your material down people's throats, how about you make it so shareable that people market it for you for free? That is the key when it comes to creating compelling social media content. And when you do that, that is going to help you to skip the queue and get to a prominent position quickly and don't worry about that because wrestling people who are better than you leads to one thing and that's you getting better and that's it so with that in mind i do want to talk about this, some of the pitfalls okay social media has uh it's really changed the way that we live our lives and there's things you, that you got to be aware of now everyone has a voice you know and there's a there's good things about that and there's bad things about that so people who would be you know I hate to use the term but haters if you will are now going to be able to get to you in a way that they never would have been able to before and trust me when you first get into wrestling that is going to have a negative impact on your confidence it's going to take you some time to build up a thick skin to that it's the same with being in angles and programs with other wrestlers things that wouldn't even bat an eyelid that people say now would have like called brought me to tears before you know what i mean so you really you you're gonna have to build up a thick skin that's one thing another thing is you there's a high likelihood that you listen to this are probably addicted to social media in some way shape or form i've had to try so hard to bring down my screen time because what social media does is it makes you think that you're busy by scrolling through stuff and looking at stuff, yes, you're doing stuff, but you're not really achieving anything of value. Yes, you got to scroll through every now and then to see what's going on with people, to see what the general consensus is. You got to do a bit of, you know, kind of active research every now and then. But what you don't need to do is scroll aimlessly through your phone. I've genuinely tried to really pull back on this because it makes you think that you're doing loads, but you're really not. Being spending time on social media just scrolling through aimlessly is that's time that's being taken away from you being at the gym or improving your physique or working on your promos or creating something, creating some content. You got to balance that out. You got to spend more time creating content than consuming it by just scrolling aimlessly through social media. Also, the other thing about scrolling through social media is are you really being entertained? No. Chances are you're not. I end up scrolling through social media until something pisses me off and then I get upset, you know? It's just like I get annoyed and I'm like, why do I do this to myself? I'm not enjoying scrolling through social media right now. This it, It's weird. It just gives me a kind of anxiety. I don't know if anybody else feels that, but I think you really need to make sure that you're in charge of your use of social media and don't tell yourself the little lies like, oh, I'm not on it that much or I just do this or I just do that now. Nah, probably bollocks you probably spend too much time on social media and i'm telling you now the more time i've spent away from it the more creative i've been the happier i've been i think it has a massive impact on your state of mind i don't think there's any way of getting around that that's i just i feel really strongly about that and i'm putting that out there now because social media again becomes addictive what if you do get uh what if you do say something on twitter that people love and you get loads of likes and all that it can very quickly become not organic and become a chore and then you're checking your phone every two seconds to see how many likes you got and this that and the next thing it's better if you can have it more of an outward communication so you don't need to interact with every single person that says something negative to you what i use now is the mute button 
which is the absolute greatest invention for Twitter because what the mute button does, it doesn't give people the satisfaction of blocking them. They don't even know that you've done it, but it just don't. It just means you don't have to hear their pish anymore. You know what I mean? So use the mute button more than the block button because if you use the block button, you're saying to that person who's shown you negativity, I have given you the time of day. You affected me. You got to me. Don't give them that satisfaction. Just use the mute button. So you don't have to hear their pish ever again. You won't even know what they've said. I'll give you an example. When I started with Ring of Honor, there was mostly 90% positive comments. But then there would be, you know, 10% that would be like, oh, they would really get to me. And it's like, oh, this guy sucks. Why are they bringing him in? Blah, blah, blah. And I am not joking you. I am going to tell you the number of people I had to mute. I muted four people and it stopped. Four people. What that means is that that's, that's a case study on social media right there. You will have a vocal minority who are v very loud with their opinion, which will make you think that there's this huge negativity towards you. And for me, it was genuinely four people. I muted those people and it's gone. The negativity is gone. It, to be honest, people might say something and it might be a fair comment. If it's a fair comment, like people used to say, I didn't have that great a physique. And I was like, you know what? That's fair. It only got to me because it was true. Whereas if it's just like needless negativity, they're like, you know what? Maybe it is or it isn't a fair point, but that's messing with my confidence right now. And here's the thing, people. You got to understand, you can't please everybody. You cannot please everybody. There are people out there who don't like my custom entrances. And that doesn't mean to say that they, if I changed it so those people did like it, then that would probably upset even more people who wanted me to just do it the way I wanted to do it. You can't please everyone. And what happens is you'll end up getting a vocal minority telling you that this sucks when actually 80, 90% of the people might have enjoyed it. Because when was the last time that you commented on a YouTube video? It's not that often, right? A lot of the time, I'll watch YouTube videos and I barely ever like it. A lot of the time, the people that interact with it are people that don't like it. You're more likely to, to interact with something, which is a shame, but you're more likely to complain in a restaurant than you are to pass on a positive comment. And the same is true with social media. Oh, apologies. At that end. That's going to be rather loud there coming through the microphone. But thank you to whoever just followed on, Twitter, on Twitch. But... My point is, like I say, you're more likely to complain than you are to give a positive comment. And the same is true with your interactions on social media. So don't give too much weight to, to the, the negative comments. If you're getting, you know, five positive comments and, you know, three negative ones, don't think that, you know, okay, so let's just for ease of numbers, let's just say seven positive comments and 30 negative comments. Don't think that 70% of people like you and 30% don't. It's probably more skewed in, in a positive way, but just because people who are negative tend to be more vocal about what they're saying and you can't ever get caught up or hurt about this. You have to understand that people who are just aimlessly throwing negativity towards you have got something missing from within. They're, they're projecting something onto you and you, you have to try your best not to take it personally. Again, with, with wrestling, I always say you got to try and use wrestling more than it uses you because everyone pays a price in this business and it's the same with social media. You need to use social media more than it uses you and that was how to become a pro wrestler. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you found this insightful and, and helpful 
Um, again, check out edinburghwrestling.com. And if you do want to support the content I'm making, we appreciate any support. It really helps with all the costs we've got. Um, just fire over to patreon.com. Starts at a dollar. And, you know, you get a shout-out on the podcast if you're tier three or above. It's really worthwhile doing, and it means a lot to us. Or if you can do that um, and you've got Amazon Prime, link your Amazon Prime to your Twitch account, uh, sorry, account and uh, give us a, twi- a free Twitch subscription because we get about three quid from that and it doesn't cost you anything. Amazon pays that, but you get it free with Amazon Prime. So there you go. All right, I've been the prestigious one. Thank you so much for listening and I shall see you next time.